I met you about two years ago at South by Southwest. Okay. I remember you now. Do you? We, we, Do you actually we sat in the bar? We sat in the bar. Yeah. Okay. okay. Right. I yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if you were humoring me. Yeah, but I, I very very randomly we were at a bar about <laughs> as far from downtown Austin as you could get and still be in Austin. Yeah, so I still get emails from that place. <laughs> oh, just yeah. from from the rewards program? Or? Uh, no. Uh, what's what's it called? It's a whole village, isn't it? Where the oh, hotel yeah. was. Yeah, it was. It was called. It's called the. Con- um, I can't remember. Yeah. The, the name escapes me. But every two weeks, I get some new deal being emailed to me, which of course I delete immediately. The two the two memorable things that happened to me at that hotel were meeting you and uh, the Target dog. The Target mascot dog was walking around. They've got a little <laughs> bulldog with a Target ring around its eyes. So you, those were the two. Those were the two celebrity sightings that I had at that that hotel far from downtown Austin. <laughs> Uh, so you were a close second, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I once shared a dressing room with uh, Pet of the Week <laughs> on a local TV station somewhere in Texas. Actually, it oh, really, a, it was a cat. Yeah. What What point were you at in your career when you were sharing a dressing room with a cat? Um, oh, I think it's <laughs> been fairly consistently yeah. there or thereabouts for quite a while. But um, you know, it's. <laughs> I think it's funny. So 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 I my I, if if I remember correctly you were playing you were doing like a, a corporate show right at Southway yes that's right yeah is that um is that common for you um I'll do them every now and then yeah you know not really um uh, very often but every now and then something comes in and for me it was uh. The show was a good good means to get there. I mean, I, I did my thing at the show, and I think they were, um, as as does happen at these things, if people aren't aware of who you are, and most of these people weren't, they'll pay a certain amount of attention and, and yeah. then go about their business. Fair enough. I, I can I can cope with that. I mean, you, I I'm I'm amazed at how good natured you are about dressing rooms with cats. <laughs> People, you know, playing a uh, which I assume is pre- a re- at least a reasonably well-paid corporate gig if it got you out to. Yeah, Texas. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. Um, but you don't mind. You don't mind. You don't mind playing for a room full of people that may or may not have any idea that you are in a room with them. No, I don't because I can put myself in their shoes so well. There are so many things that I don't pay attention to. Yeah, that, you know, whether I should or shouldn't isn't the point. I don't. There's only so much time anyone has for anything, for pursuing art or, you know, doing whatever. So, you know, there's a certain amount of, uh, you know, do I feel, um, do I feel bitter about the way my Mm. career has gone? No, I I don't. You know, I I just, I really don't because the way that I see it, I'm 57 now and I'm still able to make music and tour and make yeah. money and that's my life you know it's an incredible position to be never a point never a point you know at least you know towards um because obviously you guys had a, a lot of success yeah um, even you know you made it out here in the states as well yeah um you know you you, it, you were okay with maybe never quite getting back up to that level again well here's the thing um there, there are a number of different 
ways to to uh, answer that. You yeah. know, and at the point at which you're trying to get back out there, and we we certainly did try that, and it wasn't working. That was frustrating. I think when for you know for me the big moment came when um, at the end of the last major label record deal that we had. I was really comfortable with not having that anymore. Mm. And I thought, okay, I'm on my own. It's sort of like starting again. And I had no idea how that freedom would feel to yeah. me. But in fact, it's felt amazing, you know. And uh, um, I wish I sold as many records as we used to and all, all that stuff. That, that whole business has changed. Squeeze sells more tickets now than it's ever sold in the UK mm. yeah, we're, we're bigger than we ever were yeah. uh, that's that's pretty amazing from playing from just playing clubs for 10 years it was lovely to walk out on a big stage and have a you know full crew and all that stuff but I, it doesn't I don't feel that this is any less important you know playing mm. a smaller place or playing to 10 people in a club that's you know bad, bad, a badly attended club gig you know it's all good to me it's all good to me I wish more people were there yes but the 10 people that are there yeah. are there to see you so that's good well yeah but you know especially you know a show like this and it is it's it's larger it's certainly larger than 10 people and people have paid a, a fair amount of money to, to go see you and, and eat mm. while you eat while you play music yeah. um but still different, I guess, than a than a cor- than a corporate gig. Still different than playing for, yeah. um, you know, a room full of people. Where yeah. where you know, I guess, I I don't know exactly what the scenario is, but it, it almost seems like you might as well just be like on record <laughs> in, in there in some cases, right? Uh, no, you know, I get to do really. I get to do what what I want. Yeah. Now. I get to make records, and I'm aware, you know, if I go on Spotify, I can see exactly how many times people have played them. No, I can live with that knowledge too. You do, know? Do, 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 I mean, I'm like that with every every single every every single thing I put out into the world, where there's some sort of quantifiable metric attached to it. Yeah, I will check it obsessively. Right. Oh, well, I, I, you know, I, I use Spotify a lot, and um, I check Instagram obsessively. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm like that about a few things. Uh, I'm, I'm not always sure that's a good thing. Yeah. But but the point is that you know my attitude now is uh, is back to w- what it was when I started out, which is I've got to make you know I've got to make music because it's what I'm I'm compelled to do it. I have to do it. I would do it if I was just locked in a room. I would do yeah. that. I'm lucky enough to have some people that listen to me, and and I'm extremely proud of what I do. And and I can judge my records not by how many they've sold, but how how good I think they are, you know. And and I've got records going right back to the beginning. That I'm really proud of, and like, I'm really proud that like the record I have out now. I'm really you know it's one of my best things. Yeah, you know, it's one of the best things I've done. So I don't need everybody's you know I don't need for it to sell in order to, for me to feel good about it. Yeah. Do, 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 I mean, do, do, have you sensed yourself getting better, becoming a better songwriter? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, you know, in the last, um, particularly, you know, the last, when I did Pandemonium in Shoes with the mm-hmm. Fluffers, there were a few songs on that that were, you know, equal or not better to any of the best stuff I, I did with Squeeze, you know. Yeah. And I feel that way about this, this record too, that some of the songs. 
particularly lyrically lyrically the growth is the big growth area for me and the subject matters are stuff that's important to me and that I can't really articulate normally um, you know, in conversation <laughs> but with thoughts I can yeah. do it you know and that's that's the great gift of being able to write something like that well you you weren't you weren't doing a lot of the lyric writing early on right I mean it was more of a collaborative effort no with squeeze uh chris difford wrote the lyrics yeah and, you know i met him when i was 15 i think and i stopped writing lyrics as soon as i i met him because he was so much better than me <laughs> um and i was good at tunes so that's where i came in handy yeah so um you know it's hard for me i didn't start writing until i was 40 uh, <laughs> again and that was a uh, you know and my biggest influence was Chris Difford because <laughs> I've worked with him my entire life, mm. you know. So it's uh, that's, that's been a good curve to me. But, you know, I can stand up on my own two feet now and I'm a different lyricist to him and I write about yeah. different subject matters, but we cross on certain parts, you know. I'm very influenced by his sort of narrative drive and, and I, I like doing that too. So you, you weren't you weren't writing anything in the interim. I mean, you weren't even sort of doing, you know, write, writing for yourself. Uh, when I was working with different, I, I think yeah. I probably wrote maybe two or three lyrics, mm-hmm. and they were all really bad. Yeah. So, you know, at one point you did you did put out a record where you were collaborating with with other people. Yeah. On on the lyrics, what what made you? want to actually sort of sit down and, and as you said at 40 try this entirely different side well, of the thing because well, I'd lost my writing partner um, yeah. so, you know it was a big kick up the arse that, that I needed um, but I mean you know you're, you're somebody who you're well established enough that you know should, should you want to find other people yeah. to collaborate with you certainly yeah. could do that well now now I do that you know um, I do that quite a lot with, with music I get other people to write music for me because mm. that's that's, that's an amazing thing to do it that way around for me. Yeah, is it? Um, are, are are you as collaborative musically as you were when you were in an actual w- w- what you would call a band? I don't understand your question. Well, what do you mean? well, I mean, you know, you know, versus, and I know it's in some cases sort of a, a still silly distinction, but you you going out there as a as a solo artist yeah. versus you know being in being in a band at least theoretically. The band should be more of a, uh, you know, a oh, collaborative I see setup. I see what you mean. Uh, it's all, it all feels the same to me. <laughs> <laughs> it really does, you know. Um, it's it's amazing for me to have two different hats to wear. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're writing stuff for Squeeze at the moment. I'm out touring in solo world, and really, although they are different, they, I, I don't give one more attention over the other mm-hmm. but what I do do is I, is I work obsessively on whatever it is that I'm working on at that point that's what I'm like so it's um, it's 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 a matter of getting the right people together in order insofar in, in as what configuration you're touring under um, no I've come to believe that uh, like the, the lineup that Squeeze has at the moment I think it's you know, it's it's a proper band. It has it has a sound, mm. and it has a drive and energy that is equal to how Squeeze was in the early days. I think when we were all twenty, and that's an amazing position to be in. And it's because it's the dynamic 
of the relationship between these five people, not an in- not an interchangeable bunch of five people. You know, it's the band really is about everyone that's in it. Yeah. So I'm sticking with this lineup, and if it stops, then it won't be squeeze anymore. You know, and I don't, I don't want to start changing lineups. I'm not interested in doing that. But you're at a point where you could take a hiatus of a few years yeah. in there and yeah, be able to get back that's into right. It. No, it's not as it's not as um, um, you know. There's a sort of different attitude towards being in a band when I was younger. It was like it's like you were being unfaithful if you did anything else. Yeah, you were with anyone else. You know? Yeah, and that was a sort of prevalent attitude. I have no idea why. Now I want to think about it. Well, I mean, it, it 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 probably makes more sense at that point in your life because that's you know, especially when you're when you're really sort of on on the ascendancy, mm. you need to have your 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 eyes focused on the on on the prize as yes. as the saying goes, yes. right? I mean, yes. everybody's working working towards something really yeah. really specific. Yeah. To go off, I mean, that, that's why that that's what breaks up bands is is people sort of going off and that's deciding true. deciding that they. They really want to want to do their own thing. Well, that's true. I mean, and that's really that's what's one of the things that broke Squeeze up the first time round is that we had three different keyboard players for three different albums, and by the end of that, it, it just you know it, the feeling in the band had changed, and we'd worked we'd worked incessantly as well. That doesn't help. I mean, that's always that's always something that that that's really fascinated me about bands. I mean, uh, you know, a lot of them. Certainly, a lot of them. The first, first, the first instance of somebody dropping out is when they'll call it quits, and then you just see other people who will go on and you know, with with one at best one one member. Right. Um, but it seems it seems like a band should be that that group of people. I mean, what? It, yeah, I sort of I sort of agree. You know, yeah. I think. Well, <clears throat> you know, we've got the name Squeeze now, and it's. Whatever I think about it, and whatever opinions I've expressed now, it's our calling card. If you put squeeze on a poster, yeah, ten times the amount of people will show up than for Glenn Tilbrook on a poster. Yeah. That's just the way the way it is, and and so squeeze is a, a, a sort of sort of like a bigger canvas to work on, and and you, and you get more feedback from it. Mm. But you know everything I said earlier on still applies. You know it doesn't mean it's the most important. It get, everything gets full attention in its time. It, it's is it a bigger canvas in the sense that um, you're able to do as you're able to sort of be as as eclectic with with your songwriting as as you would for your solo career? Because I, I just assume that. Um, People have a very specific idea of what they want from from a squeeze record, yeah. and you, as a solo artist, you can theoretically sort of go out and do whatever you want, sound wise. Yeah, but you know, uh, I think that way lies madness. If you start to think about what people want, yeah, it's, I, can't, I can't. You just do admitted that. that you were you were reloading your Instagram feed over and over again, so you are you are paying attention to what people are saying out there. Um, yeah, but um, but that's uh. That's a pictorial world. I, I, I like that. That's. I don't care what they say. Yeah. I care what they they're looking at. <laughs> yeah. Now that's entirely a stupid thing to say. Uh, I've got. <laughs> what I mean is, I just have to please myself. That's really with squeezing with everything. I, I, you know, the idea of 
trying to recreate something that's long gone sure. in, in terms of where the inspiration came from I, I can't I can't go there and I wouldn't want to go there but what I can do is draw the inspiration I've got now and and make that work and that's how the best squeeze stuff happened anyway you know is with it was exactly that you know I always had my head in the clouds I think and I wasn't I don't think there's been one point in my career when I was sort of conscious of success and maybe striving for it and that was the period when my writing was at its worst hmm. I think. that that was the one point yeah that was the one point where you were tailoring what you were what you were making to an idea of what would be popular well, sort of, you know. You know, Squeeze spent a long time from reforming to splitting up again. We made some amazing music, mm-hmm. but none of it was commercial. And the and the more commercial stuff that we were A and R with was our weakest stuff, I think, when I look back on it. And that's the whole thing. I see it in in the music industry now where by somebody will arrive with an amazing talent and as soon as the record company gets hold of that talent and mm. it's successful it's very slowly begins to sort of pervert the thing that made it good you know Kings of Leon are a really great example of that in my opinion I don't wish to offend Kings of Leon fans because mm-hmm. they've been really successful but their success has taken away what they had in my opinion that, yeah. that was great about them I mean, looking back, were were you were you sort of a, were you non commercial group in those those early days? I mean, was there anything? I mean, when I kind of think of the larger music context of the time, I mean, there wasn't you know you you guys kind of sounded like a white Motown band on a lot of songs. You know, I I, I always thought that we were really mainstream. Really, other people thought we were quirky, and I guess they must have been more right than I was. Yeah, you know, I always thought we were we were mainstream, but we never really were. Just from the standpoint of you know, I guess you were just you were writing pop songs. I mean, they weren't necessarily the pop songs of of the era, at least uh, you know, no. production wise or no. or, or instrumentation wise. No, they weren't. You know, and that, again, you know, the one squeeze record that that. The first record we made that was a nod to the times that we lived in was, yeah. was a record called, called Cozy Fantasy Fruity, and it's easily the most dated record out of mm. every, all the Squeeze ones because it sounds of its time, and, and the best stuff in Squeeze to me sounds out of time. Yeah, you know, out of any, it doesn't sound like it's from a particular year. Did did you? I, I guess after you know the the bands split the the, the first time, did you? And you went out under your, your own name. Mm. Did you feel the need to go in in the sort of in, in, in the opposite direction? Did you feel the need to make a different career for yourself? Um, yeah, but plus there was always there's always something which was nagging at me, which is um, that Squeeze had never been any good at what I would call like uh, like R and B. Although you know, like mm. Tempted, definitely nods in that direction. Yeah, that came through Paul's influence it's something that as a band we didn't collectively we didn't like and I really loved it so huh. so the Diffin and Tilbrook record was a, a bit of a nod towards getting more in, in that direction yeah. um, 
but it's something you know it's something that I haven't really done Squeeze hasn't really done that very well the Fluffers has done it really well because um, it's a different combination of people it's it's a little surprising to hear you say that because I, I I'm, I mean Tempted is a good example but it does it does seem to bleed through on a lot of the Squeeze songs I mean there is I mean that's that's you yeah. and, and that and that's coming through yeah um, I guess it's it also seems to be weird to, it, uh, to be in a band with people who don't like that sort of music. That like, because yeah. because when when you say R and B, I mean you're talking about sort of that early American soul music. That, well, I'm talking that, but you know, in the late '70s, early '80s, I really liked the sort of mm. you know, a lot of the dance music that okay. was around then, like you know, Parliament and Funkadelic and all that sort of yeah. stuff. And I wanted Squeeze to do some of that, but we could never. It would always emerge sounding like a sort of horrible parody yeah <laughs> and not and not be right so so we couldn't we couldn't do it it's, it's, I, it takes you know it takes takes balls to be a bunch of white british guys and get up there and try to make you know something it sounds like <laughs> something it sounds like parliament funkadelic yeah. right without wearing a diaper yeah <laughs> i wish we'd done it <laughs> that that was something that never i mean never never occurred to you as as just like you know maybe we I don't know. Like, are we allowed to? Are we allowed to make this this kind of music? No, never. Well, it didn't occur to me because it, you know the sporadic bits of times that we we would try it, it just didn't seem to to work. And in fact, the closest we got to doing it was um, the only way we could do it was by doing a parody, which we did on this thing called <laughs> Squabs on Forty Fab, which was a parody of a dance record that was mixing up all you know squeeze hits in a horrendously combined um, mashup of you know tempos that would crush the songs and make them seem ridiculous so we did that uh, and it worked really well because it was so awful and in so doing actually we made it sound good okay so you did you did get a little bit we murdered our own songs <laughs> <laughs> did, did, did that fulfill the you know even like temporarily to fulfill the need to make that kind of music if you were doing it in such an ironic way well it's the only way that the band could function and yeah. do it without saying this is ridiculous this is us you know it plainly wasn't us so they could do it how how consistent are the are the people that you're outside of squeeze how how consistent are are the um the people that you're you're playing with now in your in your solo career i mean are, are is there a core group of people well um i start you know on on this record i was working with chris up there chris McNally, um i wrote with him he played we played together and simon hansen from the fluffers and, and squeeze was doing percussion but um, I just wanted the record to be, um, you know, I've begun to understand how good it is to set myself boundaries because it can push you into a different place. So for this record, the, my boundaries were no drums and no electric guitars. So so that actually ended up being very interesting for me because it m- meant I could be um, a lot simpler in approach, although I would complicate it in other ways later. Were those were those arbitrary boundaries at all? No, it's just, I just um, I'd started listening to um, revisiting um, the Incredible String Band mm. and Tiananmen and yeah. and Tyrannosaurus Rex and those okay. sort of like hippie 
really early yeah. folky, yeah, folky psychedelic bongo yeah inspired music and i like that i really i really liked it i rediscovered its charm and it wasn't it wasn't a conscious plot but in having no guitars no electric guitars and drums it pushed me down that avenue yeah and on the other thing i, I used ipads what does that mean well what that means is I thought that the only electronic thing I will allow myself to mm. use is an iPad okay so and that was that worked great actually. yeah I was really pleased with that I kind of I, I want to go back and, and re-listen to the record now that you've said that because I I'm not sure I quite got Mark Bolin out of it the first oh, right. okay. the first time around, which is right. which is kind of interesting. But it's not. But it's less of you actually trying to sound like somebody specific, and more of you just liking living in this space for a little while. Well, um, yeah. I mean, the interesting thing when I said uh, about Tyrannosaurus Rex, um, mm-hmm. one of the tracks that's on the record, Persephone. Mm. Um, uh, Chris Braid, who I write with very regularly, I, g- I gave him the lyric, and he, you know, that's that's like a tribute to Tyrannosaurus Rex that that, that song because mm. it's very stylized into a Tyrannosaurus Rex way but I lo- I loved what he did with that you know so I just did it straight yeah what are you um so what are you what are you writing about these days what what's uh what you know what's what's kind of what's at the forefront two, well, of your the mind two things, the two things three things that I write about are relationships yeah politics and class I think they're the three things that are really interesting me at the moment so one of those can potentially make for a happy song I mean the other two maybe maybe not so much it sounds like the three of those things together can just generally be sort of a, a bit of a, a bit of a downer theme wise um, maybe I don't, I don't think uh I mean, politics. It's it's hard to isn't it hard to make a happy song about politics? Yes, but you don't have to be direct about it. Mm. It can you can be. I think that one of the things about thinking like that is that is there's politics in the way that people are. There's yeah, politics in the circumstances that they find themselves yeah. in. And you know, I think we have a certain sort of illusion of freedom. Yeah, which is governed by other things that are out out of our control and that's politics so you don't ha- you don't have to be finger jabbing in the face to, sure. to do that we talk about dating yourself potentially on a record of actually being you know, yeah specific mentioning yeah. mentioning figures yeah. and, and things like that how is your um love life how is, well well actually i mean that's not too far off i mean how is your you know as 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 you've gotten older and and, and again you weren't you weren't directly writing the lyrics early on but mm. how has your approach to that subject changed over the years well it has it has changed um i would hope so oh uh, yeah <laughs> yeah of course um you know i, I think all the time the, the the best thing i can do i can do is write from my own perspective mm-hmm. um and again not prejudge anyone's opinion of how i should or should be writing i'm a 57 year old white english man and and i write songs from my perspective which is a very lucky perspective getting to travel a lot and yeah. do the job that i love 
even though I miss my family when I'm away, you know, it's it's what I do and it's what I've always done. It's what I always will do, uh, as long as people carry on turning up. Yeah, and I, you know, I guess um, when when I look at a lot of a lot of your songs, a lot of of the squeeze songs, I mean, you know, there's always there there, there's often a, I mean, the happy songs aren't always that happy. happy. (laughs) I mean, you know, I talked to you. Uh, when when we were talking at the the bar in, in Austin, I talked to you about Up the Junction, which it was always just sort of struck me as an interesting song because it, it 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 feels happy for a while, it goes yeah. on, and it feels like a ha- like a happy song for a while, and then all of a sudden <laughs> there's that moment where it where it turns. Yeah, you know, I, <laughs> I did. Um, it's reminded me. I, I did a video for. Uh, a song on my first solo album called This Is Where You Ain't, which is basically about my kids moving to Australia with their mum. Mm. It was a horrendous time, worst yeah. time in my life. Um, and I didn't use I didn't use or ever release the video because the guy who directed it hadn't listened to the lyrics and assumed that it was a happy song and so made a very... The happy, melody was... Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And he made a very happy video, which I went along with and looked at it and thought, this is so inappropriate yeah so i buried it (laughs) (laughs) the song the song the song does enough of that you know i think you have to have if you are going to write um depressing about depressing subject matters the music can help ease that along yeah do you ever feel like you're pulling one over on people (laughs) no no not at all because it's just it's a it's a manner of delivery isn't it it's like if you like salt and pepper or something on your food yeah because that changes the way you see it taste it does it does it does it help writing about things that are that that cut so deep absolutely yeah 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 yeah. Um, like with that song um with this is where you ain't uh, um i think that was the first lyric that i wrote that, uh, that meant something important to me and it helped me rationalize my feelings you know on a pure Mm. purely therapeutic level and i get to do that because of my job you know that's really the, the lucky thing one of the many lucky things about it yeah I mean it's it's a nice thing about songwriting and poetry is you're able to address something at the same time very directly and very very indirectly mm. you know you're yes. not you're not writing a memoir you don't have to name names no. yes, but you can be as honest exactly right as honest as possible yes um, how so, so, so I'm, 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 I'm guessing that actually happened as those events were unfolding. Uh, yeah, the, the, so- yeah, the song was written. I mean, yeah, 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 okay. absolutely. Um, yes, it, it very definitely did. Um, um, and you know, anyone, anyone who's experienced, any, I think the thing, the lovely thing about writing and why people relate is that anyone who's experienced any sense of loss can identify yeah. with that song. You know, to a certain extent. I just—it's um. You don't need that. You don't need that extra that that distance. You don't need to to sort of Some, step away. From, sometimes you do, yeah. yeah, and sometimes you don't. Sometimes uh, you can write about stuff. I could write about stuff twenty years ago and yeah. see it with a different perspective. And it all depends how you get yourself into the space of writing. Anyway, you know, this iPad is chock full of ideas for lyrics which I will go and mess about with at some yeah. point and and then you know and the other thing I do is I write in about 
15 different locations and leave mm. things in different <laughs> places so I can come across them at different times and work on them and that m sort of mad system works for me you, 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 you like you hide them you hide them around the house no, I, I, I hide them in different books. You yeah. know, I, li I like writing in longhand as well as writing on my iPad, yeah. as well as using Master Writer on my MacBook, yeah, which is a great tool. It's like having a, th a thesaurus and a rhyming dictionary yeah. all in one. And those tools are, you know, some people don't like using them. I love it. I love what I love where it can help you. But but this is over a relatively short span of time, or or do you do you do you go back and do you revisit things from things that you've written from ten years ago and yeah, build so, them out? You no, know, you know, I think that there's a there's a period of about maybe five years mm. involved in you know in sometimes bringing a song through from beginning to end, and I'm happy for it to take that long because there's because there's you know loads of different bits and pieces that I'm working on. Yeah, and at some point I'll decide it's time to rein some of them in. Are 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 the favorite are your favorite songs? I mean, if if you can make such a broad generalization, are are, are your favorite songs that you've written over the course of of your career the ones that have taken the longest, or the ones that have just sort of come to you? They're really yeah equal because both ways work yeah. for me. Um, it's always great when when you when you just have an idea and are able to yeah. follow it through and it's done. That's 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 something fantastic about that. But equally, there's something great about really working at something and pulling that through too. I always just get the the idea from songwriters, and and obviously this is very different from person to person. But that the songs the songs that you really have to work at are you know maybe don't don't end up as well you know the ones the ones yeah, that have really not, yeah i just don't no well, i don't agree with that yeah I, just, I think that you know you have you have moments of inspiration that you can grab hold of and you never know when they're going to happen and then so that's inspiration and then you use your intellect to develop those yeah. things and that's when that, there's conscious and, and un un unconscious working together and that's great on average, though, are you spending more time with the songs than, than you did 20, 30 um, years ago? Well, it always takes me a long time. No matter how quick quickly I think I, I can do a record, it always takes me longer. So I was touring last year here about this time, and I was only, I'd only just finished the record, so it wasn't out for the tour that I'd booked to promote it, so... That's why I'm back now. <laughs> yeah, you, I, I tried to get you for the last time you were at the City Winery, and that was like two weeks ago. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. How did that? That's how that happened. <laughs> oh, uh, weren't, weren't you just around like in like like maybe a month or so ago? Oh no, 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 no. That's why it was. Some of the dates were pulled and rearranged. Oh, okay. That was one of those. Okay, I was. I mean, I was I was happy that you had come back, but at the same time, I was <laughs> like, like, I wonder, weeks. yeah, can you really? <laughs> how well are these shows gonna gonna go down? Home, yeah. Are you? Do people a show like this? I mean, you know, obviously, people come to a squeeze show and they expect squeeze songs. When they come to a show like this, are they are are, are they also, or do you think the people that are coming out to something with your your name on it exclusively know? 
your solo stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. You, you know, I think there's a mixture of people. Um, I, <laughs> I recently went into uh, looked at a chat room or something that was mm-hmm. about me, and I was, <laughs> it's the third time. Don't I've do ever that, done it. No, <laughs> and yeah, indeed, this time I shouldn't have done it. There was someone talking about uh, what I'd been saying on stage about writing Dennis Mm -hmm. uh, about Dennis Wilson about meeting him in Jamaica and this guy was saying I was at that gig in Jamaica and I don't remember the Beach Boys ever being there Mm. sort of like insinuating I was making the whole thing up now of course it's absolute rubbish so the news story now is that like someone would spend their time debating about whether I was telling the truth about yeah. Dennis being there or not, you know, which I, I thought, fucking hell, get a life. Me and him, you know, <laughs> whoever the guy was. Were you, uh, do, do you still get starstruck when you're meeting people like a like a beach boy? Well, you know, there's, um, I'd say there are probably like five, maybe six musical events in my life mm. of just, you know, been absolutely yeah. enormous, and I've just had one in the last few months. There's a, wo- a woman called Kate Tempest, who is a poet, and mm-hmm. she's just released her first record, which is a sort of like it's a hip hop hmm. uh, record, and the lyrics are staggeringly good. You know, hmm. it's it's become the new thing that 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 I aspire to is to try and get anywhere as close as as good as she is um, I forgot what your question was there was a reason why I was saying that oh yeah, that was one of the five five uh, you know because we were talking about meeting you know you okay, mentioned meeting yes, Dennis okay, Wilson that, thank you yeah. so Kate Tempest um, I, I went to see her at Glastonbury and I took along a copy of her album on vinyl and I could hardly speak to her I was so how old is she? She's 28. <laughs> you know, I'm just so... Uh, uh, it's it's ridiculous. It renders me like a child. Yeah. I can't speak. I can't say, how, you know, anything except I love what you're doing. You know, that's about as much as I can muster. And normally I'm, I'm not like that with people. I mean, it's it's it, it's crazy for me to hear this, and I'm assuming it's going to be crazy for most people to hear this, that you still... I don't know that that you're still aspiring toward you know towards towards other people when you've built this huge thing on your own. Mm. I mean, are, are do you? But you do. I mean, you do. You're you're not saying that in in too much of a self-deprecating manner. I mean, you do look back at your stuff and realize that you've built something really good, right? I do. I do. I'm, I'm very you know. I, uh, I'm, I'm proud of most of what I've done, yeah. you know, and I, and, I, and I can look back on it and think that I know I put the right amount of energy and effort into most things I've yeah. done. Um, and they and that you're good at what what and, you do. And they and the, and they've stood up, you yeah, know, for, for me. That's a, that's a good feeling. So I mean, that must make them easier to revisit when the time comes to stand up and, and play them again. Yeah, um, and. You know, so by myself, you know, um, I was saying I don't see any distinction between playing squeeze songs and my my own songs. It's uh, as far as I'm concerned, it's it, it's my life that's up there. Yeah. So 
so I'm comfortable with all stages of it. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I guess this is what people run into when people do get 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 sick of playing things is is you know the things that were very much of a time that <laughs> they're not necessarily right. there's a lot yeah. of there's a lot of instances particularly with people um obviously this is the case with you but you know particularly with people who had a single hit you know oh, who yeah. who put out album after album and have had that hit yeah um you're you're lucky enough that i, I assume that when people do go to the show expecting to hear certain things it's probably st- a still a pretty good range of songs right it's not just yeah. tempted or it's not yes. just pulling muscles from the shell yeah yeah we've got a good good few we can yeah. put together yeah. and, and the hard the hard trick with those particularly with a band is to stay on top of it enough how, how do you mean well it's to never get complacent about yeah. the way you play it because the attack and the vigour that you put into playing something counts for an awful lot not just playing the notes correctly I saw um, uh, with my 11 year old son who plays he plays really well Leon I saw a review show called The Magic of Motown Mm. and he instantly got what it was that was wrong which is there's all these great (laughs) songs and all these great arrangements being sung and played perfectly well but with no passion competence it's yeah just competence (laughs) and that's not enough it's not enough, and you can see it when it's not enough. It's, yeah. it's something you feel. Is is it? I mean, it's got to be hard. It's got to be hard for a thirty-plus-year song to, you know, especially when you're on a tour with Squeeze and you're doing it night after night. How, how do you, how do you muster that? Well, it's well. First of all, the the songs stand up. Yeah. Uh, that's that's the lucky part. Yeah. And secondly, before any time that we go out on the road, we have to work we, and we go through everything and make changes and pull things apart. And it's just being disciplined and being interested enough and remaining focused properly. You have to do that. You can't just go, all right, here we are. You, you're still reworking them after all these after all these years. Well, no, we're not doing jazz versions, or no. anything, you know, not like that. You know, to, to me, uh, the only way that Squeeze could be a, a credible now is to take a leaf out of uh, you know the big inspiration for me f- when Squeeze got back together was how Brian Wilson and his band worked because mm. they do the songs properly yeah you know and it's it's there they are and so i thought if squeeze got back together when squeeze got back together we've got to do that we've got to be like the best squeeze cover band ever (laughs) and sound you know take the records as the inspiration and then you know pick them apart and see how they work and put it back together again and do it that way was it was it more of a when than an if squeeze got back together no uh you know um the thing was always about mine and Chris's relationship, and there was yeah. a lot of bridge building to be done there. Um, and also, you know, as, I, as I've said, as long as I can work, I was really happy being by myself. I was really happy with the fluffers. The fluffers are the thing that reminded me that this is a great band, and this feels like how Squeeze used to feel. What, it, what it's like to enjoy playing music. To again. enjoy playing music and to yeah. just be able to get off on each other's playing and we really pushed it with that band and 
and having Stephen and Simon from there come into Squeeze was a tough sell to John and Chris because it was, you know, I said, look, they've got energy and enthusiasm and they're great players and they will help us and they have. When 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 you did get back together, though, I mean, did it did it click instantly, or did that also take a lot of pulling things apart, putting them back together? No, it took it did it did take a lot of uh, it took it took a lot of work, you know, yeah. and the work the work has been it's harder to find um, inspiration for making a record. Chris has like seven different things that he's doing and he's not like me he'll do all seven at once mm. so that's uh, slightly frustrating for me at, at some time and indeed you know I thought that we were going to be concentrating on a squeeze record when Chris sort of disappeared for <laughs> about six months uh, not literally but really in terms of what he was putting into mm. our project so that's when I decided to make this record yeah just like okay well look, that's not happening so I'll get on with my thing so so I'm I'll, uh, I'm gonna be at the show tonight and I'm just wondering what I mean you know obviously just based on based around what the, the instrumentation on the record is it, it sounds like it's gonna be a very different experience than going to see a full live band oh, show uh, yeah well you know the, the, tour, the tour for that sounded like the record I did two years ago this this one is this is just me and it's just me and acoustic and electric guitar actually um, uh, and I did that because it just allows me the freedom to yeah. make it up and that's uh, that's what I like doing every night a little bit a little bit different well it's whatever pops into my head or <laughs> someone else's so so yeah it is you get a, you know over time you get a sort of form and signposts of where you should be at certain points and then the rest of it is yeah. what happens in between w- was was being up there alone behind a, an acoustic guitar was that something that, that was always comfortable to you I had to learn how to be comfortable with yeah. it. Um, so Squeeze spent before splitting up in 98 spent most of the 90s sort of gradually winding down um, and I got a bit fed up with that so I started doing pub gigs and doing covers and you know um, just going back to that stage that I've been at when I started Squeeze in order to just feel something different and and that stood me in good stead because I learned how to, how to do that properly yeah so well, I'm very comfortable now with that there you go. How how absolutely delightful is Glenn Tilbrook? Uh, been trying to set that one up for a while. It's it, it it took a bit of time. I mean, the main reason is the fact that he he, he lives in the UK and, and isn't over here very often. But glad we were finally able to do that. Uh, I met Glenn for the first time a couple of years ago at uh, it was South by Southwest. It was a week before, so uh, the week before the music event. So South by Southwest Interactive. I was there for work. I was staying at a hotel, something like. 40 minutes out we booked late it was 40 minutes outside of uh, of, of downtown austin and i was uh i was sitting in the bar uh, after after work one night just just getting a drink down there and um 
know, there was a uh, an older gentleman sitting next to me and, and sp- talking about the the music industry in a British accent. It slowly sort of dawned on me the fact that I was sitting next to, to Glenn Tilbrook. So I uh, spoke to him. He was also also delightful in that situation. Um, he 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 asked me if I wanted to go line dancing with him, which sadly it didn't happen because. The story of the time that I almost went line dancing with Glenn Tilbrook is not nearly as good as as as, as the hypothetical story of actually having uh, gone line dancing with Glenn Tilbrook. But um, he did allow me to nerd out a little bit. I mentioned uh, Up the Junction, which is um, which is my personal. I know it's a lot of people's favorites. I know that's a popular answer. Please forgive me, but I I, I love the song and it was. Um, I, I, you know, I nerded out a little, little bit uh, with him and was talking to him about the song, and I, you know, I said um, the thing that's always struck me about that song. I mean, you know, obviously it's a, it's a happy song, and it's got kind of a, you know, a, a, a downer message to it, and that's an interesting juxtaposition, uh, but it's certainly not something that's unheard of in in, in the Squeeze catalog. Uh, but what, what, what was interesting to me about the song, what is interesting to me about the song, was the fact that it starts off really positive. It's this really sort of nice white picket fence song about a relationship between two people and then just takes a total sudden 180 degree turn and just, you know, becomes a really uh, uh, kind of, you know, depressing song about um, about alcoholism and, and breakups and all these other things. And, you know, I said... Uh, Glenn, you know, this is, um, it's interesting that it, that it makes that, that, that there's basically two parts of the song, you know, it's a, it's a quick pop song, and, but that it takes such a drastic turn, and he said, oh, I never really thought of it that way, it just seemed like a realistic story to me, so there you go, I feel like there's a, there's, there's a bit of an insight into, um, into his, his songwriting uh so thank you thanks so much to glenn for for taking the time to do that uh we did that in his uh in his bus outside of uh city winery in new york and, and got to watch him do a uh a solo show absolute uh consummate wonderful performer uh so so real pleasure speaking with him uh so thanks so much to him for doing that thanks to brian as always for editing the show together uh, thanks to everybody at the Boing Boing Podcast Network. If you like this show, there's a lot of other great shows the Boing Boing Podcast Network. You can check those out over at iTunes. And while you're over at iTunes, you should take the opportunity to actually to, to, to rate the show. If you, if you liked what you heard, you can also send us feedback. We've got an email address. It's rawildcast at gmail.com. We've got a Tumblr that I think that that's the best way to find the show. But, you know, any way you find the show is fine by me. But if you do want to get the show first hours if not days before it goes up anywhere else type in go to your search bar go to your 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 address bar on your uh, on your browser you put in rylcast.tumblr.com bookmark that and you're you're pretty much good to go forever because we will be back just about this time with another episode of RIYL thank you so much for listening and i will catch you in uh, in 7 days